Hey, it's Andrew Wilkow. Here's my opening monologue from today's Wilkow Majority on Sirius XM Patriot. I'm looking at a series of reports here that the Russian military may only be able to last another 14 days. The Daily Mail has video of crying Russian soldiers saying they're sorry they didn't support the invasion. They can't believe their military would bomb civilian civilian structures, most specifically maternity hospitals and kindergartens. And then you have the media led by the her, I mean the view. And a uh, a guy named Keith Olbermann who's off to the side like, "Hey, hey, 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 remember me?" Cuz Rachel Maddow's stepping down and apparently he's not coming back to MSNBC because he's a nut. They want to arrest Tucker Carlson. They want to arrest this man. Now, I don't care what you think about Tucker Carlson. There are things he says I agree with. There are things he says I don't agree with. I don't want him arrested. And let me extend that. I don't want Joy Reid arrested. But every time, every time there's an opportunity for left-minded people to show not only their hypocrisy, but their authoritarian streak, they take it. It's like little bait. Here you go. And they take it. COVID. COVID. Arrest, arrest people who say things on television. Well, they're showing this. They're showing this stuff on Russian television. It's propaganda. Do we not forget all of the Democrats that were saying after the invasion of Iraq that America prefers to bomb brown people and Muslims? that we like to kill Muslims? How many times do you think they played over and over the clips of John Kerry and John Murtha saying our Marines were killing innocent civilians? If you think what you see on Twitter or you see on a major cable news channel is feeding propaganda around the world, what do you think the images of dead children from a Biden ordered drone strike that killed civilian humanitarian workers and children. What do you think those images do? But these are not deep thinkers. As a matter of fact, you're starting to see that a lot of people in the media, especially the makeup chair mafia and the talking heads, don't really know anything. I used to love I used to love the criticism of Alex Trebek who would give off the impression that he knew all the answers on the Jeopardy. Ooh, sorry, sorry. And then he'd read it from the, he'd, he, would, he would give the right answer as if he knew it all, just organically. Not a team of researchers, not having it right in front of him, but he would give off the impression that he knew it all. Well, you have to understand something. When you see some of these anchors pretending that they are all of a sudden just experts on Ukraine, These are people that don't know anything. And last night, if you watched the television program, that was my argument. That we have built in this belief that the Wendy Shermans of the world and the Jake Sullivans of the world and the Tony Blinkens of the world are experts on something. They're really experts on nothing. Ben Rhodes was a failed fiction writer before he became a senior Obama advisor on national security. You know what Wendy Sherman did before she was the expert on North Korea? She ran Emily's List. 
These people aren't experts at anything. They know nothing. They know nothing. Where's Fiona Hill when we need her? Isn't it funny that the foremost expert on Russia and Vladimir Putin himself has decided to take some time off to promote a book when the world needs her most? Why? Because she knows nothing. This is how academia works. They are frauds, they are fakes, and they are phonies. And again, I am telling you this right now. You will understand everything I'm saying about these people if you read the book The Two Cultures by Charles Percy Snow. It's not a long read. It's not a long read at all. And what he exposes in this book, and it was written in the early 1950s, and it was a look back on World War, it starts as a look back on World War II, then a look forward. And the book is about how actual, he separates the world into two categories of people, scientists and artists. Artists are people without standard. They write papers on theoretical things. Their credibility within their Social and political circles is more of a popularity contest rather than actual demonstration of merit. A scientist in this, not regard, you don't actually have to be a scientist, are people who are judged by the outcome of their endeavors. So he points out that if, you, if you're a, an engineer and you design a bridge and it collapses, that's failure. And you are disciplined by that. There is a difference between the understanding of a battlefield commander and an academic in Washington, D.C. who's writing papers. People who write papers can go their entire lives without anything they put into print being tested. Once a battlefield commander hits, once the bullets start flying, that battlefield commander is going to be tested and there's going to be actual results. Period. End of story. Now, conversely, in the military, you can have someone who serves their whole career and never deployed, worked their way up the ranks, never actually put any of their understanding or their alleged knowledge of a battlefield into practice. It's when things go into practice. So all the people that told us for all this time, we're the experts, we know best, believe in us. Now that they are in charge and they are putting their theories into practice, they are failing miserably. NATO lost the second that first tank crossed the border. Period. End of story. This is over. I'm going to read to you. I'm going to read to you a very interesting quotes from a very interesting piece from Peter Van Buren. who spent 24 years at the State Department. And this is in the American Conservative. And he says, tell me how Ukraine ends. Anything can happen, but Putin losing in Ukraine seems among the most unlikely. And this is very interesting because we've all wanted to root for the Ukrainian forces. He writes, propaganda riven with sympathy sympathy for the plucky defenders has dominated the early days of the Ukraine war. This purposely created a false purposely created a false sense of Russian setback and a misunderstanding of Russian strategy. 
The Russians are executing a standard mechanized warfare maneuver in line with their goals, attacking south from Belarus to link up with forces attacking north from Crimea. When they link up in the south of Kiev, Ukraine will be split in two. Kiev may be bypassed or it may be destroyed, but it is secondary to the larger strategic maneuver. Another Russian thrust from the east to west seeks to cut the nation into quarters so Ukrainian forces cannot reinforce one another. Forget the silliness about Russians running out of gas. Their supply lines are short. Many Russian forces are within 70 miles of their own border, protected and over decent roads. That is what is happening on the ground. And Ukrainian forces are in no position to do anything but delay it. Watching a war through a smartphone from a peaceful country may help you believe the Russian assault is going poorly, but that is at odds with the facts. So here's how it ends. And he has a best case and a worst case. The best case is everyone, everyone is, uh, for everyone is the Russians, perhaps under the guise of some humanitarian gesture, withdraw the Russian speaking, uh, to the Russian-speaking areas of Ukraine and some strategic points Things like bridges and airports, Ukraine is essentially divided into two semi-states, the western half normally under Ukrainian control, and the eastern half a Russian zone with a new Iron Curtain in place. And then the very bad case would be a decision by Putin to occupy or destroy Ukraine, install a puppet government, and roll his army right to the Polish borders if it were 1975 all over again. Putin certainly is holding out uh, holding this out as a threat if Zelensky ignores Western pleas to cut a deal. Russian troops are positioning to assault the cities. Ask the people of Aleppo or Grozny if they think Putin would turn them loose. But towards the end, towards the end, he writes, not actually on the menus, another Afghanistan-like U.S. or Soviet version insurgency. What Putin is doing is an old-school war to grab territory, not change allegiances among the Taliban. This time his supply routes are short, his troops are fighting the modern battle they trained for, albeit outside Kiev and not the Fulda Gap. Unlike Afghanistan, Ukraine has cities dependent on modern infrastructure and cities are easily encircled, starved or just leveled. Also not going to happen is some sort of regime change inside Russia. Putin's been in charge for 22 years and controls the media, the military, and the intelligence services. Those were the people who brought Putin to power in Russia's last coup. There is no means to the end the West wishes for and no clear evidence the people of Russia want such an outcome in the first place. After all, a million pink hats in Washington accomplished very little. A few protests scattered across the vastness of Russia are exaggerated for a Western audience and what could make life more interesting than one of the world's largest stockpiles of nuclear weapons having no one firmly in charge. So, you know, we've refu- we've actually gone around and insulting anyone who looked at this and said, you know what, it is great that the Ukrainians are willing to put their own lives on the line, but really when it comes down to it in a numbers game, it's going to end up being fruitless. Now, this was not supposed to happen at all. It was not supposed to happen at all. The only two times that we've seen a massive movement of the Russian military has been when either Obama was president or Biden. For some reason, they took a pass on all this stuff during the Trump years. This has even even gotten into the mind of some of the uh, left-wing commentators like Bill Maher. Let me give you perfectly executed political analysis. And the big dumb idiots like Anna Navarro don't understand this. Why she was ever considered 
a conservative commentator or a Republican strategist is beyond me. The woman is dumb. She's a dummy. She's an idiot. And that, that, that show, is, is, it's made for idiots. It's hosted by idiots. It's watched by idiots. This show is stupid. I'm sorry. They can keep rotating in one, you know, milk toast female conservative on that show. It's a stupid show for stupid people. And it always has been. Donald Trump looked at NATO. And it wasn't just Trump. You see, this has been known for a long time. That NATO got fat, it got lazy, it got taken over by globalist elitists who desperately wanted to enrich themselves by making lucrative business deals with the Russians. That NATO has long been in no position to stand up to anyone. This was only a matter of time. And Mr. Mean Tweets, Orange Man Bad, came into the Oval Office and people whispered in his ear, you know, these nations are not only not paying their fair share for their membership, they are engaging in trade with the alleged enemy, or at least the nation we are trying to contain, collectively contain. NATO was formed to keep Russia in check after World War II. Germany, a big reason for World War II, has not only not been paying its fair share, it has been making itself ever more dependent on Russia. This is a game of chess, and it's a long game. First, Ukraine gave up its nuclear weapons in an executive agreement with Bill Clinton in 1994, not ratified by the Senate, by the way. This is another thing that happens a lot, like the Paris Climate Accord. Other nations that do not have the checks and balances that we have, you know what, I will take any call from any Democrat who thinks they can argue with me on this. Point to the hole in my argument, point to the factual inaccuracy, and I'll stop talking. Other nations that do not have the checks and balances that we have in our Constitution, meaning the federal executive is not free to make unilateral treaties that bind these United States without a vote in the Senate. When we do that, we are doing two things. We are, one, lying to other nations. Two, putting those deals at risk as they are unenforceable. So we did not have a treaty. The fact that Ukraine is not part of NATO could have been dealt with if there was a three-way treaty between the United States. Really, it should have been the whole of the UN. The United States, Russia, and Ukraine. But Russia said, all right, give us your nuclear weapons and we'll give you peace. And they were like, all right. And Bill Clinton's like, good, now can I get out of here? But there was nothing in force. Not ratified by the Russian federal parliament, not ratified by our Senate. So Ukraine mistakenly trusted Bill Clinton and the Russians and gave up their nuclear weapons. 
NATO has becoming we had been coming weaker by the day. NATO was not designed to have a small group of soldiers from each nation follow the United States into Afghanistan or Iraq. NATO was designed to be a numeric force that would show Russia, specifically Russia, and perhaps China, that it was mathematically impossible to defeat the alliance. So instead of trying to defeat NATO on a battlefield, Putin defeated them in a boardroom. The German Chancellor, Gerhard Schroeder, went from being the German Chancellor to on the board of directors of this Russian oil and natural gas pipeline company. Putin has been buying off one global elitist after another. It's like the movie They Live. And when Trump came in and said, you know, it's a problem that Germany's in bed with Russia while demanding protection from the United States. The Democrats in the media in this country clutched up. Oh, my God. Look what he's doing. He's, he's, he's weakening NATO. NATO was already weak. NATO was already weak. Donald Trump didn't weaken NATO. He exposed its weakness. And Biden proved it. Now, we also have to make a decision. When we're talking about not America's direct interest, Iraq and Afghanistan. Russia invades a non-NATO nation. NATO finds it unacceptable. Does NATO make the plan or the United States? If we want to be the world police, then we don't need NATO. If we are a member of NATO, then collectively NATO makes the plan. But you Biden cannot promise to lead and defer at the same time. It's one or the other. If we start, our starting point is, all right, this is not a NATO nation. This is not an American interest. This is two separate nations. What's NATO going to do? That it's NATO with America as a participant. If it's not NATO and the United States says, all right, we're dealing with this, then the United States is taking the lead and can't expect NATO to do everything that the United States is doing. Article 5, we're not being attacked. A NATO nation is not being attacked currently. Now, if Russia attacks Poland, that's a different story. But this was over once it began. NATO, the UN, the UN Security Council proved to be meaningless. And the Chinese are watching and they are readying a strike on Taiwan and everybody knows it. I hope Mark Milley has fully studied white rage because we might need some of our military members to start paying attention. You can join me live on the Will Count Majority Monday to Friday, noon to 3 East, 9 to noon West on Sirius XM Patriot Channel 125.